book of First John, and I know we've given you the Christian calisthenics. You've sat, you've stood, you've sat, you've stood, you've sat, you've stood. Um, and I almost hate to ask you this, but it is God's Word. So stand with me if you would as we read. Book of 1 John, chapter number 2. And let's, for context, let's go back to verse 24. It says, Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall also, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. And now little children... Abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank You. Thank You for giving to us Your Spirit. Thank You for giving us Your Word. So, Father, we pray, as it has been prayed before, what we are not, make us. What we know not, teach us. And what we have not, give us, we pray. In your Son's name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, there's an awful lot of misunderstanding today about the topic of abiding and oftentimes, with this topic of abiding, we have also the topic of eternal security. And so there's a, uh, there's a, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of misexplanation, I believe, when it comes to passages such as this, where it tells us to abide in Him. And then if you, you know, Brother Greg read earlier from uh, John chapter 15 about abiding in the vine, and if you, if you don't, then you're cut off. And we're going to look at that here in just a moment. There's a lot of misunderstanding as far as this goes because we have the idea uh, of eternal security, but then we also have this conversation of abiding in Him. Um, there, there's, there's more to it that we really kind of get into uh, because sadly there's this, uh, there's this misunderstanding that comes into play and causes sort of a pendulum swing. There's, uh, what, if you think about those times where uh, I know I have wrestled through this in my own life. I can remember as a rebellious young man uh, uh, doing things that I ought not to do, going places I ought not to go. Uh, but there was in this in the back of my mind, uh, I would have this idea that well, since I had prayed a prayer and I had made a profession, I was okay. At, at least I knew that when you know do, while I'm doing this, at least I know that I'm going to heaven. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of teaching about that in churches today that, you know, there's eternal security, so no matter what you're doing, you're okay, you're still going to heaven. And as if, as if that's the only reason for salvation is, is a, a mansion on golden streets. 
Beloved, that's not what the point that Christ is, uh, 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 came and died for. That's, that's not why He came to die. He came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. The abundant life is not a life of, well, Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be, and I'm going to heaven. That's not the abundant life. The abundant life is available to you and I now, today. We don't have to wait till we're in heaven uh, to experience this. But there's even more to it. What about those times when maybe we're not living in outright rebellion? Maybe there's a temporary state of self-centeredness that we're struggling with. I know there have been times in my life uh, where I find myself acting less like Jesus and more like Andy Lake. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that deals with this. Maybe I'm the only one that struggles this way. But I find that there are times where I don't act like Christ. And I don't know if I'm alone in this, but when I find myself that way, the thought goes into my mind, He doesn't want to hear from me. He doesn't want to talk to me right now. I I don't have the right to pick up that book and read now. If I get on my knees and pray, he doesn't want to hear me. Because we hear things like the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, and then we say, well, I'm not a righteous man. So why pray, right? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If I'm not a righteous man, why pray? And so we, we come to these things, and I think it's important for us that we understand that there's this dichotomy between the issue of eternal security and those who are called to live holy lives. Yes, He saves us, he, he saves us from, uh, to the uttermost, the, as, as the book of Hebrews says. And, and I'm afraid that the, that passage even is taken and completely misappropriated. People say, well, He saves to the uttermost. In other words, no matter how low you go, He can still save you. That's not what that passage is saying. He's saying, as far as you can see, no matter how big or how long that list of sins are, He can save all the way. It's a complete salvation that Christ offers. Not a partial salvation. Writer of Hebrews even says he is the author, he is the pioneer of our salvation, and it refers to it as an eternal salvation. If you don't have eternal salvation, you don't have Christ's salvation. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves, well, I, I, I know that I can't be perfect. I know that I'm struggling in this, in this flesh. I know that I have problems. I know no one is going to master it before, before glorification. I know that until I am, I am rid from this world and I am given a place in heaven and I'm, I, I'm given this perfected body, I'm going to struggle with sin, but I am called to live a holy life. How can you do that? John gives us the answer. He gives it to us in two books. He gives it to us in the original, uh, in his gospel, one of the first uh, uh, book that he had written, the Gospel of John. And then he gives it to us also in this epistle, in 1 John. He lets us know the importance of this issue. You see, the issue lies in abiding in Christ. Realize something. Power is found in the principle of abiding in Christ. That's where the power is found. And if we want to have the power of God in our lives, it must be, it must be found 
in abiding in Him. There's no other place that we can find the power to live. I, I, I struggle with wondering how in the world I'm going to overcome certain sins in my life. How in the world I'm going to overcome certain attitudes in my life. Listen, I can be hot-headed just like the next person. I'm a very giving guy. Especially when I'm driving. You can ask my wife. Sometimes I get honked at. I had somebody pass me on the left side crossing double lanes because I was going to let the guy pull out over here. And it just, I'm just, just being a nice guy. Come on, it's okay. Come on, it's okay. I'm that little granny, you know, that's sitting there. It's okay, honey. It's all right. Come on out. And then people get mad at me about it. But then you got the audacity to pass me on the left side. The window goes down. Hey! You know, <laughs> And then you look, oh, I shouldn't have acted that way. Especially with my wife sitting there and the kids back there. Oh, they did not see Christ in that attitude. Right? Come on, I'm not the only one, right? I mean, gee whiz, y'all sitting there like, no, we're perfect. You're the only one that's struggling in this area, buddy. We got saved and sanctified. You just, I don't know about you. Well, the issue lies in this abiding principle. Jesus lets us know something here. He lets us know back in John chapter 15, we read it a little bit ago, he made this statement. He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you'll ask anything of the Father and he'll do it. Don't miss that. Don't miss it. Abiding in Christ, catch this, has less to do with your goodness and is more about God's desire to sustain and empower you. This is why we abide. We abide in Christ so that we can accomplish what He has called us to accomplish. Let's look at this a little bit, a little bit closer here. This abiding idea is pivotal to our understanding of justification and sanctification. This whole thing about, well, I can, I can live however I want, and preacher, don't preach against the sin. Preacher, don't tell me how I'm messing up. Preacher, don't give me all that stuff, because, hey, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, we're never going to be perfect, so let's just case her off her all and just have a good day. Preach to me some more of that love stuff. Well, <laughs> I'm getting ready to. Because here's the beautiful thing. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But He still calls me to abide in Him. Think about that. You see, we focus too much on the, well, I'm never going to be perfect, so you just need to just silence all that kind of talk. Now, wait a second. That ought to drive you to abide in Him more. You mean you love me in spite of me? Look, when people are dating, people, people get in these dating relationships and it's all, well, you know, this is, this is how wonderful I am and I'm, I'm the best man that you have ever met. I'm a gentleman. I'm, I, I, I have chivalry. And then the, the lady's like, yes, and I'm classy. I'm a lady and, and, and I'm the best cook. And you know, you do all these things, right? But then what happens? You get married. And you find out the prince, prince shining, his armor's a little rusty. Don't have that shine anymore, does he? And we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but catch this. Catch this. In the dating relationship, 
You get to a place where they start to see your flaws, and what happens? You break up. Then you find somebody else, and then they start to see your flaws, and you break up. But then there's something that takes place when marriage comes along, and you say, till death? Wait a second. See, this is something different. You know what makes me love my wife so much? Nan was telling me the other day, she, she, she says it's nauseating. I don't know if she said it was nauseating, but the way she acted, she's like, it's nauseating. You love that girl. You just follow her around everywhere, don't you? I'm like, yeah. You really like her. Just follow her around like a little lost puppy dog. Yeah, I do. You know why? She loves me in spite of me. She knows my problems. She knows the things that I deal with. And she loves me. She knows I'm not perfect. She loves me. Yeah. I abide with her. I want to be better. I want to be less imperfect. I want to be more like Him. I abide in Him. This is the abiding principle that we need to understand. No one is expecting you to be perfect. All I want to ask you this morning is will you abide in Him? That's what we need to examine this morning. You see, based on the discussion of antichrists in the world, on the idea that there are many out there perverting the gospel and denying truth, and based on the truth uh, that we have uh, about the anointing, we have this unction, verse 20, it says, but you have an unction, talks about the anointing that we have. Based on all of this, we should live what we claim to believe. We should live it. Since we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we should try to abide in Him. So the question then would be simply this, how do we abide? How do we abide? You know, people are like, well, abide in Him. So you're going to go home today and you're going to be like, I'm going to abide in Him. Well, how in the world am I supposed to do that? Right? And so I'm going to do the best that I can to help you with that this morning. The Greek word for this is the word meno. It, it means to stay in one place, to stay in a certain state of being, to continue, to dwell, or even it can be translated this. Be present. Be present. Be in the moment. Be where you are. I, I, I don't know about you, but there are times where I am places and I'm like, yeah, this is not me. My wife will take me sometimes shopping. I love going shopping because I, I, I'll just, I like being with her, but I don't like being in the mall. I'm just telling you, if there's one place on earth that you can refer to as hell on earth, it's a mall. I have no desire to be in a mall. Amazon came along, and all I got to do is push a button, and I get what I need. And guess what? You can return it. Try it on. If it doesn't fit, send it back. Right? But there are times where when I am there, I'm there. I'm right where I want to be, right where I need to be. It's like the little boy. The little boy was getting up and he was running all over the place and we're, for, the, for sake of uh, safety, we'll not give him a name. Um, 
you can fill it in on your own. But he was running all over the place and the, uh, the Sunday school teacher would get him, set him down, stay in that seat, and then she'd go take care of something else and then she had to get him, get him back to that chair, stay in that seat, and then she'd go doing something else. Get, if you get up again, I'm taking you to your dad. And so the little boy just sat there. A little bit goes by and she looks over and he's still sitting there. She's saying, alright, I got this one figured out. A little bit more goes by, and he's still sitting there. And then it's time for the kids to stand up and sing, and he's still sitting there. And she said, "What's you, you were obeying so well?" He said, "Well, in my mind, I'm running everywhere." But he wasn't really there. This is what it is to abide. The individual who accepts Christ is described as being. In Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. The old, is become, the old things are passed away. All things are become new. If we continue to go back and forth and back and forth to the old life to the new life, to the old life to the new life, can we truly say that the old has been put to death? And so understanding in this whole idea of eternal security and this, the, the, the uh, can I lose it? Can I get it back? Can I lose it? Can I get it back? This is a, this relationship is to be a permanent relationship. And here's the beautiful thing. You don't hold the relationship. Do you understand this? It's not your responsibility to keep the relationship. Jesus says it this way. All that are mine are in the Father's hands. God's the one that holds. And no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. None. To understand what we're looking at with this abiding principle, I think it was important for us to go back to the uh, uh, to verse twenty four. But you can even go all the way back to the beginning if you look at verses three through six. Hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Uh, this word for keep is another idea that goes alongside with with uh, uh, with abiding, keeping in his word, remaining in that place. Verse five: Whoso keepeth his word. Uh, if you look at verses three through six, you'll find the word "keep" three different times, and and then you can even drop down to verse twenty-four and twenty-five, where it talks about abiding, and uh, you know, uh, let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. What is it that he that he is calling to have abide in us? It's the original message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the word of God. Again, back in John, if you want to put your hand here in 1 John and go back to uh, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, you'll find here the whole abiding in the vine. You know, as, and as kids, we learn how, you know, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. His banner over me is love, right? Some of you know it. Some of you are like, yeah. You doing I'm a little teapot next? No. Yeah. Now, I'm not doing it. Now, the original message of Jesus, the gospel here, notice what he says in verse 7 of John chapter 15. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You see, so Jesus is making it known that for him to abide in us, or for us to abide in him, requires his word abiding in us. And so keep, just keep something right there between those two because we're going to kind of vacillate back and forth between the two places here, First John and, and the Gospel of John. The Bible truly is the best commentary on the Bible. 
Many people are like, well, what does the Matthew Henry have to say about this? What does, uh, what does the pulpit commentary? What is that? No, stop for a minute. The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. And if you really want to learn something about what is, is taking place in Scripture, you can use what's referred to as the law of first mention. And what it is, is whenever I come across a word like abide and I want to know things about abiding, I go back to the beginning. I look up that term and I go back to the very first one. And then I make my way through. This, this really trips up a lot of false doctrine. Take for example, I'll give you this one for free. Um, take for example, the, the Jehovah's Witness like to use uh, uh, Colossians, uh, uh, what is it, Colossians 1.15. Uh, where it's uh, he is the firstborn, talking about Jesus, the firstborn uh, of all creation. And they say, see, he's the first one that's born. But firstborn doesn't mean firstborn all the time in order or in timeline. Firstborn means preeminent one. For example, you have Manasseh and Ephraim, and one of them was older, but God referred to the younger as my firstborn. The preeminent one. And so when we understand what's taking place and how to fully see what is being taught, now we can rightly divide the word of truth. Jesus is not the first one that was born. He's the preeminent one. The top dog. Same thing that we can do here with the, book, with the word abiding. If you were to go back and start really studying the, the whole truth of what it is to abide in Christ, you'll understand what it means to abide, to remain, to stay, to stick there. And, in, and, and uh, the, the Gospel of John teaches this as well. You see, what causes more people to quit church and turn their back on Christianity is the legalistic or the liberal approach to Christ. This is what causes more people to leave the church today than anything else. You, you go into a church and they attach all these different rules and regulations. You have to do this, 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 or you're not saved. But then you have the other side of the pendulum swing that comes in and says, don't tell me what I have to do. Don't show me what I need to do to be, be right with God. I prayed a prayer and that's good enough for me. And that's the liberal side. You know one of the main reasons Gen Z is not in church today is because they don't like seeing people give them a bunch of lies. They want to see it's real. Their whole life is wrapped up in, in, in five-second videos on TikTok, 140-character uh, tweets and whatever else it is, and they're like, give me something real. They want to know that there's truth involved. So it's time for us to get away from the garbage and get back to truth. That's the Word of God. He says, if you abide in Me, and My Word abides in you. He says in uh, 1 John, uh, let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall continue in the Son and the Father. You know why people quit and leave uh, Christianity and leave their relationship with God, turn their back on, on pursuing Him? It's because they quit paying attention to this and they started paying attention to that. That's it. Mark it down. If you ever ask somebody, why did you quit Christianity? It's not going to be because this book let them down. It's not going to be because Christ let them down. 
It's because some preacher, some teacher, some church member acted a certain way, pretended to be what they weren't, and then they came out to be found as the truth of who they are, a dirty, rotten, disgusting sinner. And they said, well, I don't want to have any part of that. It's all hypocrisy. Beloved, understand something. Man will let you down. And the sooner you get that in your head, the sooner you're going to find peace with the one who never will. He never will let you down. But again, how do we abide? Well, the Bible teaches us in, in John, the book of John again, teaches us about the abiding principle. Uh, let's, let's address verse 6 quickly. Look what it says. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And then gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. See, preacher, right there's example. If we don't do right, he's going to kick us out. Wrong. Wrong. It flies in the face to say that someone is born again by the Spirit of God doesn't go out soul witnessing enough so God boots them out to the curb. That goes against much of Scripture. you really got to divorce a lot of other Scripture to come to that stance. No, what's being said here and what's being taught, if you compare this and you examine what's going on in 1 John, what John is teaching is that those who are truly born again by the Spirit of God, those who truly are saved will seek to abide in Him. It doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect. So before somebody comes up and says, yeah, you said that anybody who's truly saved is going to be, going to be perfect. I never said that. But they will desire to abide in Him. I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect that their desire to abide in Him never will waver. But they're going to seek to know more. They're going to seek to figure things out. When they are exposed to truth, they're going to seek to find ways to do it. Those who don't want to have anything to do with it, they're just pretending. People don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear it. But the Bible teaches, here's the principle, that somebody who is truly grafted in, someone who is truly part of the vine, will produce fruit. Will. But there's a lot of people that on the outward, on the outside, they look like they're born again by the Spirit of God. But inwardly, they're dead. Jesus referred to it this way, as whitewashed sepulchers. You're just full of dead bones. You look good on the outside, but you're full of dead bones. Now, I want us to, before we go any further, I want to point something out here. There are going to be two responses to this, this understanding. You see, the best interpretation being those who are truly saved are going to, uh, are going to move forward and they're going to try to do their best that they can, they can to, to abide, but then those who are just pretenders, they're going to be just cut away. Get that away. That's just a weed. There's two responses. The pretender will get mad. Now, I give truth because I love. I had an individual ask me one time, so you're telling me that if you met a guy who for 80 years was a Buddhist, you're going to tell him he's wrong and he's on his way to hell? How loving is that? If I truly believe that salvation following Jesus Christ, 
that he is the only way, the only truth, the only life. If I truly believe that and I don't say it to him, how loving is that? To keep back the gospel of Jesus Christ, you may as well look at someone and say, I just go on to hell because I don't care enough to tell you the truth. You know, some people are really going to get upset about that. But it's important for us to see the truth here. The person who is grafted into the vine will be encouraged to abide more. Didn't say that you're going to be perfect. So what's going through your mind is, well, he expects us to be perfect. No, I don't. I just want you to find Jesus. Put your hand in His. Spend time with Him. Love on Him. Let Him love on you. Because abiding in Christ is not your salvation, but it's evidence of your salvation. Jesus doesn't say abide in Me so that you will be saved. He says abide in Me. If you do this, it's evidence that you are saved is basically what He's trying to teach you. Now, those who remain in Christ will continue to work. They'll continue to have God working in them, completing the work on a daily basis. So what is it about this abiding? Why is it such a big deal? Look again at 1 John. Notice what he says here in verse 28. And now, little children, abide in Him. Why? Well, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You ever have a meeting with someone and you dreaded it because you didn't know what was coming? <laughs> yeah. The boss calls and says, hey, I need to talk to you. I need you to come into my office. And you're like, oh no. Cool. And so you show up and yeah, <clears throat> yes, sir. <laughs> Only to hear you're getting a raise. Oh, thank God! <laughs> now there's a part because I've had those kind of meetings. And as a pastor, you know, there's times where I just I'll tell somebody, "Hey, I'd really like to get with you sometime this week. I need to talk to you about a few things." And, and I didn't have time to really go into detail. <laughs> Just like, hey, I really want to talk with you about a few things. Can you meet me sometime this week? Yeah, sure. And then, yeah, kind of, what did I do that the pastor's going to reprimand me for? Yeah, and then they show up and they sit in, in, in the office and you're like, man, it's so good to see you. I just wanted to talk with you, see how you were doing, buy you a cup of coffee and just get to know you a little bit better. And like, that's it? Yeah. So for three days I've worried. There's a part of me that wants to say, what were you worried about? You know, as, a, as a parent, you understand that the quickest way to get your kid to <laughs> confess is just, why are you worried? You know? <laughs> well, Dad, i got to tell you. So, looking at this, there's, there's this idea, if it's not required, if abiding is not required for my salvation, where's the motivation, right? I get these these non-believers, these people who you know they're, they're in cults or what have you, but they're really good at knocking on doors and telling people about Christ. I get it. Their salvation depends on it. I get it. What's the motivation for the rest of us? I'm glad you asked. 
those who have truly experienced the grace and mercy of Jesus will not see abiding as a scare tactic. But they will see abiding as a solemn reality we can embrace. This is a beautiful thing. If we live void of the relationship with Jesus Christ, we'll have simply a casual acquaintance. And everything that we hear from Him, every nudging that He gives to us, every word of caution, every word of warning will make us uncomfortable. Every bit of it. And I have no confidence when I approach Him. But if I'm honestly seeking to know Him more, to get closer to Him, to draw closer to Him, to, to love on Him, and to have Him correct me, every word of warning, every word of caution, every communication from Him will be received confidently, knowing that He loves me enough to expose this to me. That's abiding. And that, uh, that's something to be embraced. However, we live in this present time. <laughs> and so give me an example. Give me a way to do this right now. Well, I think it's some of it is seen in that verse 29 of 1 John chapter 2. If we know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. You see, if one is living a righteous life, it's not because they have the ability to live a righteous life. Get it. If you're proud of how righteous you have been, you've missed the boat. If you're proud of how many chapters, you know, I'm, I'm reading 58 chapters in the Bible a day. I, 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 I'm, I'm praying 14 hours a day. Oh, I'm doing such a good job. Praise the Lord. I'm Wait a second. Are we really praising the Lord or are we praising ourselves? You see, we need to understand that He is the one righteous. And so anyone who does something right does it because of Him. And the closer I get to Him, the more He rubs off on me. My grandfather used to wear wild root cream oil. That's what he used to comb his hair. Wild root cream. Get the wild root cream oil, Charlie. Some of you may know that one. Some of you are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. But it has a distinct smell. And my, uh, my grandpa, I'd climb up in his lap as a kid, and I'd, and, and I'd smell that, and I wanted to smell like that. But here I was as a kid looking for the wild root cream oil. Well, let me let you know, wild root cream oil, a little goes a long way. About like mayonnaise. Okay? I smelled like my granddaddy. That's for sure. But the more we're around Him, the more we will smell like Him. The more I'm around Him, the more I'll act like Him. Let me say it this way. Get in this book, and this book will get in you. You want to know why you're struggling to live the Christian life? It's because you don't spend enough time in this. That's what I, every time I find myself messing up, why in the world am I still messing up in this area? It's because this is not priority in my life. 
Spend time on your knees. <laughs> Think of the power that is given to us. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you'll ask anything and it will be done. Really? Well, my prayers aren't being answered. Are you asking in His will? God loves to answer prayers. He loves to. Why would one shrink back? That's because they don't have confidence because they haven't spent enough time with Him. Elizabeth Clefane wrote, Beneath the Cross, the words to the final verse, verse 3, go this way of the original. I take, O cross, thy shadow for my abiding place. I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of His face. Content to let the world go by to know no gain nor loss. My sinful self, my only shame. My glory, all the cross. So let's ask it this way. Is the abiding principle true of you? Is it true of you? We looked at antichrists. We looked at Christ being our advocate, walking in light, maturity, all through this study thus far in 1 John. Now it's time to get honest with God. How are you abiding? I want to apply, but how do I do it? Well, John 15, 14 simply says, Abide in me. You can't bear fruit unless you do. So to abide in Christ must first be with a relationship with Him. You first must have a relationship. You see, this decision is not simply being a better person. Rather, it is a conscious realization that you cannot find in yourself the strength to continue. You cannot find in yourself the way to do it. Paul talked about it in, in Acts chapter 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, that's what I keep finding myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Christ Jesus. And so the more I see that I can't live up to it, the more I cling to Him. And the more I want to get close to Him. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. To those who are in Christ. It's one thing to say the Holy Spirit resides in me. Are you residing in Him? No condemnation found. That's beautiful. Next, this is not a one-time decision, but a lifestyle. Take the call to follow Jesus as a lifestyle. It's not just being part of your life. Don't just add it to your life somehow. Well, I'm this and I try to follow Jesus. No, I follow Jesus and I'm that. I'm going to follow Him in that. Abiding is not to be, notice this we talked about at the beginning, abidus is not to be a focus on how good we are doing at this Christian life. Rather, it is all about Him. My faithfulness is lacking, but His faithfulness is not. My passion is lacking, but His desire to do for me and in me and through me is not. You see, 
all that drives me to stay right with Him is the more I'm around Him, the more I see. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I realize it. Apart from Him, I'm worthless. But when I get in Him, and He gets in me, I can. I can. The Bible calls us to be holy. I can't do that, Pastor. Uh, The Bible also says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I may not be perfect for the rest of my life, but you know what? Abiding, again, is about the now. C.S. Lewis said it this way, eternity is best, best seen as right now. You you can't be perfect for the rest of your life. Let's go ahead and get that out. Can you be perfect for the next second? Maybe two? That's now. Lord, I know I'm going to mess up, but right now, this moment right now, I'm going to please you. This moment right now, I'm going to please you. AA and other 12-step programs as well, they use uh, one day at a time. One day at a time. Just get through today. Tomorrow's another day. Just get through today. So today, would you abide in Him? Every moment, the rest of this day, when you find those thoughts creeping in, go back to Him. When you find yourself getting angry, don't just throw in the towel. Go back to Him. When you find that you've reacted or acted a way that is not pleasing to Him, don't just throw in the towel and be like, well, I I messed up. Go back to Him. He says, I want you to abide in me. Come on. Let's do it together. How about you? This is why we do what we do here at the church. Why we have the different Bible studies, why we have Awana, things of that nature, to help you simply abide in Him. Father, we come before you presenting ourselves for inspection. And Lord, it's, it's difficult sometimes to face the truth about ourselves. It's difficult sometimes to face the reality that we are fallen. We're not what we should be. We're not who we should be. But that's why we need You. That's why we need to spend more time in Your Word. More time in prayer. More time... Simply calling on Your name. So Father, would You help us this morning? Reveal to us the areas of our life that are lacking. And Father, right now we commit ourselves to abiding in You. And so Father, have Your Word enter into our hearts. And we promise, Father, that as we cling to those words, that we will do everything that we can to never let it go. So Father, give us the the strength, give us the wisdom to abide in You. In Your Son's name we pray.